Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, we're breaking down the bizarre events of Saturday's roster cutdowns for the Broncos. We'll analyze the final roster as it currently stands, as well as share some takeaways from John Elway and Vance Joseph's remarks on the big day. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast, everybody, presented by Mile High Huddle. It is time to drop some knowledge. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. With me is Will Keys, editor and writer at Mile High Huddle. We had a couple of days of trying to figure out our schedules, but uh, I'm happy to be once again joined by my partner. Crazy couple days, huh? It has been a wild couple of days. I think definitely a lot of things that if I had told you were going to happen a year ago, you'd probably think I was crazy. Uh, the Brock Osweiler signing included, but I think ultimately it's really good to have football back and we got a good, good starting weekend of college football and we've got NFL just a few days away. So things are looking up. Things are looking up. Things are moving quickly and we have a lot to get to today, but first we want to say thank you to our sponsor, mybookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. Let's face it. So go to MyBookie.net and compete for great prizes totally free. Huddle Up is here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos, and we need your help. We can't grow this show Without you, each and every week, we ask you to rate Huddle Up on iTunes and Stitcher, and there's a big reason for it. It helps us to rise up the charts, grow, reach new listeners, and we love that you're subscribing, but if you haven't, take a second and go rate the show, leave a review, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher. Over the next week and a half, I think is how much time is left, we're going to take the most creative review on iTunes and the most creative review on Stitcher, and we're going to give away a complimentary Mile High Huddle VIP membership, which will give you access to 100% of our Broncos content for the entire season. So go get it done. Send a review. Leave a good rating. We appreciate you. Follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you're also following Mile High Huddle on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle, and on Facebook, because as Will intimated just a few moments ago, from now until January or February, if we're lucky, Broncos football is officially back, and we're going to be dropping knowledge several times a week. Make sure you're subscribing. You're not going to want to miss a single episode. So, all right, look, I talked about this on uh, yesterday's kind of uh, impromptu episode. It was easily the craziest day in my five-plus years of covering the Broncos, crazier than Super Bowl forty-eight, crazier than Super Bowl fifty, and even Peyton Manning's retirement, as, as crazy as that sounds. It was a bizarre day replete with football developments that not many of us saw coming. One of those did not include T.J. Ward. The release of T.J. Ward was not necessarily something we did not see coming. We'd heard rumblings all week. Uh, We'd been told things about the situation privately that painted the picture exactly as it turned out early Saturday morning. Now, will T.J. Ward no longer a Bronco? He was released and is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And I think it's a good fit for Ward being in Tampa. You know, it's a young team. 
they could use some veteran moxie and a guy who knows what it takes to win, I think. But, you know, I talked a little bit about it yesterday, Will, but why don't you share your gut reaction to the news of TJ Ward being released and moving on? Right. So I think you have to look at it from a couple of different lenses. And the first way that you get it is from a front office point of view. And I think from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense just because Justin Simmons is A, younger, B, he's better in coverage, I think. And I think most people would agree with that. Probably showed that a lot in that Green Bay game. And then third of all, probably most importantly uh, in this decision, uh, the biggest factor is that he's being paid less. He's on a rookie salary. Uh, TJ Ward was due to make, I think, what was it? Four, four and a half point five. Yeah. Yeah. And so he signed in Tampa Bay for, I think, one year, five million. So good for him. Uh, I'm glad that he's on a contending team with a chance to go back to the playoffs and possibly deeper. And um, I hope he gets a little segment in the last episode of Hard Knocks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at TJ Ward from a professional sense. I mean, he's accomplished pretty much everything you could hope to uh, as a pro. He's been named to an all-pro team, albeit second team. He's been to three Pro Bowls, two as a Bronco, and they won a world championship. So at this point in his career, on the north side of 30, I mean, really what he needs to focus on, obviously you want to compete, and I'm not saying he's going to sacrifice that desire to win for money. But at this point, you know, these guys have to be thinking about their financial future. And unless you're, I mean, let's face it, you go back and look at, well, Peyton Manning was willing to take a pay cut this is a guy who is willing to go from, you know, 19 million to 15 million. So, still an embarrassment of riches and TJ Ward going from 4.5 million, you know, he was able to pick up 5 million uh, with Tampa Bay. Good for him. You know, he's got a couple more years I think of solid football left in the tank. Just at this point, obviously not going to be in the orange and blue. Yeah, and it's too bad because like you said he's a world champion and he wasn't just, you know, another guy on that team and especially in that game, he was probably I don't know, second or third in the uh, MVP running behind Animus One, who was Von Miller, but he had a huge impact in that game. He picked off a, a Cam Newton pass in the red zone, albeit he fumbled it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Danny Trevathan was right on top of it, luckily. Yep. Um, and he picked up the fumble that kind of clinched the game. So you have to think, you know, it, maybe if TJ record, Ward uh, touchdown and maybe if he doesn't fumble that interception and he maybe he gets one more sack or something we could be talking about releasing uh super bowl 50s mvp right now so he's he's a pretty important guy in broncos history and it's, it's tough to see him go but i think he's i think he's gonna do a lot of good in tampa bay absolutely we wish the best to tj ward you know on saturday night president of football operations and general manager himself john elway held a press conference to dish on the big events of the day. Not every GM does that, by the way, on cutdown day, but Elway has always been a class act in that regard, keeping us all informed. I, for one, appreciate it. But Ward's release, uh, according to him, was a combination of things. He didn't necessarily say, uh, one, which was that he was hurt, but two, it did the injury to Ward lead to the Broncos getting some longer looks at the younger players. And really, three, they liked what they saw, of course, and four... Going back to the money, Ward cost four and a half million bucks if they were to keep him this year. Here's it actually what John Elway had to say about the decision to release T.J. Ward. You know, I think it's just it's a combination of everything, and you know, anytime you have a guy like T.J. that's uh, you know that was such a big part of you know the championship year that we had in the last three years or four years that he's been here, and and uh, you know he's been a you know he's led that defense and and. Had plays with an attitude and a chip on his shoulder, and so he has a lot. You know, we give him a lot of credit for what uh, we've played defensively the last few years. But you know, it always comes down to football decisions, and and you know, young guys, you know, they they were playing well, and and uh, you know, it really wasn't anything to do with about uh, TJ. It was just the fact that the young guys played well, and and uh, you know, that was that was the best football move for us. Well, there's no doubt that Ward was a big part of the championship run. We've touched on that already. You know, he's one of the best safeties to ever don the orange and blue in the tradition of some of the all-time greats like Steve Atwater, Dennis Smith, John Lynch. I mean, going back through Broncos history, even guys like Brian Dawkins who were here a little bit more short-term, we're going to miss him. But now, to kind of shift the conversation, I think, Will, the onus is really on Justin Simmons. Yeah, and I don't think, obviously, Justin Simmons is going to replace uh, or come anywhere near T.J. Ward's leadership or his veteran presence, uh, at least in his first couple of years here, maybe in the future. 
But I think right now and, and going forward, Justin Simmons is probably a better overall safety. He can play the run. He's obviously uh, really good in coverage. Um, can kind of play. He and Darian Stewart are almost a little bit interchangeable at free safety and strong safety right now. Stewart's listed as the free safety and uh, Justin Simmons is the strong safety, but you can kind of play with that a little bit. And then then you have Jamal Carter who made the roster and he can play the box safety position, which is kind of what TJ Ward was doing as an extra linebacker sort of on rundowns. But, right. you know, I, I think Justin Simmons is a really bright future. Obviously, he's a third rounder, had a good rookie season, had a couple of picks near the end of the year in those last two games uh, in 2016. And I think you know, if he plays his cards right and continues to get better, I, I think he's a Pro Bowl player. So I like the move kind of looking towards the future. Right. Obviously, um, they might – I don't. it's hard to really say what goes on in a locker room and predict what's going to come from that. But it's never a good thing to lose a leader. But I think on the field, uh, the product is a little bit better with Simmons of reward. Right, and I would agree with that. I mean, you look at Justin Simmons and – you know, he's got the length that you really like to be able to match up with some of the athletic pass-catching tight ends in, in the league. He's got a great football acumen. My only concern, really, with Justin Simmons, uh, you know, other than just general experience that he, at this stage in his career, cannot compare to with T.J. Ward, is Simmons staying healthy. And it's not that he has some extensive injury history, but he did miss a couple of games last year. And if you look at his frame, that's six foot two, he's only a little bit over 200 pounds. So he is a little bit thin, you know, and I don't think just looking at his frame, I don't think there's really a whole lot more the Broncos can do to put some some weight on him in a functional sense that will allow him to continue to be an explosive athlete. So I think he's kind of maxed out his frame, which is really, Will, the only thing I, I worry about with him because, you know, it's, sometimes you worry about those big hits or wrapping up a tackler and the biggest right. thing for me is his his wrist and his elbow and he's just pretty thin in that regard yeah and i think that's kind of where it pays to have versatility at the, the position because i think if you get an injury to simmons you don't necessarily have to move right to jamal carter who is unproven in uh, significant i guess game action but if an, an injury was to to happen to Justin Simmons, you would probably move Darian Stewart to the strong safety position, put Will Parks at free safety. And in that way, you're not going from your starter to a guy who just made the team and has only played in four preseason games or three preseason games right. in Jamal Carter. So it's good that they can move guys around. Um, but obviously, we'd like him to stay on the field as much as possible because he's a good player. Absolutely. And you know, Darian Stewart, as you say, we can talk about this probably a little bit more in the show because I want to share with our listeners something that Vance Joseph said. But Darian Stewart, very versatile player, can play, you know, the deep zones, can play in the box. Same with Justin Simmons. The only thing I worry about with regard to, to uh, Will Parks is his ability to play the deep zones. He seems to me more of a, uh, you know, an over-the-middle uh, box type guy playing closer, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. But we'll see how it shakes out. Now, the most bizarre piece of news on Saturday revolved around the QB position. We learned that Paxton Lynch could actually miss as, as many as five weeks with his sprained throwing shoulder. That's why the team was so reluctant to keep Kyle Sloter on the roster. And in fact, the slope machine was waived and then signed to Minnesota's practice squad. He'll be making only $120,000 less this year than the rookie minimum for guys who are actually on the active roster. So it's insane. Vikings actually upped the ante in order to bring in Kyle Sloter. It's a huge pay raise for him. Couldn't be happier for him. And it's probably also a more open road to actually getting to the active roster than he would have had in Denver. So best wishes to him. But this move precipitated the Brock Osweiler makeup. And by the move, I mean more the news that Paxton Lynch was probably going to be out a little bit longer than originally anticipated. Yes, Brock Osweiler is in fact returning to Denver and pending a physical on Monday is going to serve as Trevor Simeon's backup for at least the next month and a half while Lynch heals up. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you guys, truth is in fact stranger than fiction. Now, Colby Valdez, of course, of Mile High Huddle, he made a funny meme on Facebook. I got a kick out of it. It said, quote, Elway offered Osweiler $16 million to play in front of Simeon. Osweiler turned it down. Elway then offered Osweiler seven hundred and seventy-five dollars to play behind Simeon. 
Osweiler accepted. <laughs> and, uh, you know, time, time is the miracle of time can change a lot of things, but that happens to be something that is very ironic. But Denver and Osweiler have already agreed to terms on a one-year deal, veteran minimum. Cleveland's only going to receive $775,000 in offset, which leaves them on the hook for the remaining $15 million and some change. Here's what John Elway said about the decision to pursue Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I think so. You know, and plus, well, they, I think when you when we look at it, you know, he knows our system. He was here with Mike, knows the system, so the adaption, <clears throat> plus the experience that he has. And so, you know, our you know our hope is, you know, Trevor's our starter, and believe he's still gonna, he's always going to be that starter. You know, want, we want him to be that starter, so uh, we have confidence in that. But also, feel like you know if something were to happen that. You know, Brock's got the, the experience, and, you know, we've got some people around him to be able to help him, too. And, he, and uh, you know, he fits the system. Now, Will, I said yesterday that this isn't necessarily the worst thing for the Broncos because Osweiler knows the system. He has ties in the locker room. He understands the organizational uh, culture and expectations. And, of course, he has a history in Denver, and not all of it is good, but he did do some good things for the Broncos. I honestly think Elway is absolutely tickled to get Osweiler back, Will, in some sick football karma type of way. And if yeah. Simeon, uh, if he goes down, Simeon, and Osweiler goes in, it would not surprise me to see him actually stick as the starter. So the Trevster, hey, man, do your thing, but stay healthy. That's, that's my message to you at this point. But, Will, your gut reaction to the Brock Lobster returning to the Mile High City. The return of the Brocket launcher. Um, it's really wild what difference a year makes because this time last year, uh, Brock Osweiler was getting ready to, to start his first year of a multi-year, really lucrative quarterback contract with the Houston Texans. And he looked good in the preseason. And I think they started maybe 2-0 and or 1-1 and at least in the radio season before that kind of meltdown on Thursday night against the Patriots that kind of... Uh, started Osweiler as as the butt of many <laughs> Facebook memes and and, and jokes yep. uh, that I don't think he's recovered from, and I think have probably shaken his confidence a lot. But I am not worried about him uh, stealing the starting quarterback job. Uh, that's that's not something that's keeping me up at night, and I don't, I don't think it's it's probably not keeping Trevor Simeon up at night either. I think we we got to see them head-to-head last year in that Monday night game. And I think it was pretty obvious to anyone who who watched uh, that full game who was the better quarterback at that point. And I think at this point, the gap has probably widened even more. And it's weird. You know, the, the story of Brock Osweiler is a very complicated one. Uh, but it's, it's strange to see someone who, while he was in Denver – looked like one of the more promising quarterback prospects in the NFL. And I think right. uh, his contract sight unseen with the Houston Texans kind of confirms that. And a year later, he's cut by the Cleveland Browns. And you know, obviously the Texans traded, I think it was, I don't know, a second rounder just to get his salary off the books. So that kind of shows what they thought of him after just one year. Mm-hmm. And then obviously can't beat out, you know, beat out Cody Kessler, I guess, but couldn't, uh, beat a rookie and Deshaun Kaiser for the starting job there. And I think that's probably a good move by Cleveland too. But like I said, what a difference a year makes. And I don't know if he sticks around uh, long-term just because it kind of depends on where Paxton Lynch is. But I I think it's a decent move in the short term. They could have gone out and gotten Kellen Kellen Clemens, who knows the Mike McCoy system. And I think he got waived by the Chargers uh, or cut actually because he's a veteran Yep. um, yesterday. So I, I think, you know, it's kind of a toss-up between Clemens and Osweiler at this point. I think they'll probably be fine with Osweiler as, as the number two for, you know, however long it is. But um, I, I don't see things working out uh, super long-term. I don't know about you. I don't know about long-term, like long, long-term, but I do expect him to actually stick to the roster all year long. I think when Paxton Lynch comes back, Brock is not going to just be summarily waived. I think he's here to stay at least for 2017, and there's just something that tells me. I don't really have anything like hard and factual to, to really base this on as far as anybody in the know telling me something or passing along some you know piece of, of information. 
there's just something to this relationship between Elway and Osweiler that to me it feels like there's something deeper there now you know in the grand scheme of things the Broncos just invested a first round pick less than two years ago and won Paxton Lynch and I have to question at this point though are they still committed to seeing where that investment goes or to doing everything they can to give that investment every opportunity to succeed to me I think that that ship has sailed I think at this point they are not going to be providing Paxton Lynch, quote-unquote, every opportunity to succeed. If Paxton Lynch is ever going to become something in Denver, it is going to be because he has taken control of an opportunity and on his own has has just grasped it. You know, the Broncos, for the last two years, really, I mean, not so much as a rookie. They still gave him opportunities. But really, this last this last summer, going into his second year, his second training camp, his second preseason. The Broncos, let me tell you, they wanted Paxton Lynch to be the man. But he couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And life has to go on. Football has to go on. And at this point, I have to wonder if he'll ever get another opportunity that way. I don't think he will. So in comes Brock Osweiler into that equation who has history in Denver, also a, a John Elway draft pick. It's just ironic now that the Broncos, three of, all three quarterbacks that will be on the roster come Monday are John Elway draft picks. And you got Trevor Simeon, of course, who was more of a guy that Gary Kubiak pounded the table for. But all three have the John Elway stamp of approval. But I just feel like, Will, again, it's hard to, to just – put my finger on it I just feel like there is some sentimental connection between John Elway and Brock Osweiler that again it wouldn't I'm, I'm not making any kind of bold prediction here but it would not surprise me if Trevor Simeon went down for any reason and Brock Osweiler got inserted provided of course he didn't drive the ship into the shoals I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Osweiler managed to hold on to the job and then from, from there see what happens. But it's just a weird situation. A lot of strange history, a lot of strange emotion going into this whole scenario. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's kind of the Arizona State-Jack Elway connection that's uh, got you thinking right. that way. But who knows? Like Maybe the, the change of scenery back to the original scenery, I guess you'd say uh, – is going to give him back his mojo, I guess. I don't know if, I don't think he was ever a great quarterback in Denver. He was definitely serviceable and um, was making some nice throws in that San Diego game, which was the last time we saw him play football in Denver. Uh, I don't think he necessarily picks up where he left off just because I think a year of bad football can do really bad (laughs) things for your confidence. John Elway even said that he's going to need some football rehab. So take that for for what you will. But that bolsters what you're saying. Yeah, and still there's like there's things mechanically wrong with him too. It's not just like this intangible, well, he lost his confidence. He, he takes too long to throw, and that's kind of the same thing with Paxton Lynch. And maybe that's a product of being six foot eight and having massive arms with a, a wingspan that's probably more. But it it it's hard to – I don't know. It's hard to get good timing when you've got these massive lobster claws that you're pulling back <laughs> to throw every time. And you've got – clunky feet and everything but <laughs> that's right i don't know he's, he's got things to work on uh maybe mike mccoy knows how to use him best uh i don't know he, he seemed like he looked pretty comfortable in gary kubiak's system a, a lot more so than bill o'brien's system which i think is a fairly complex one but right who knows maybe maybe he picks it uh, he picks up the the denver offense a little bit better and John Elway ends up saving uh, $15,225,000 in a year of football. And Brock Osweiler is the future. Who knows? That reminds me, before we move on to the next topic, I do want to play a quick uh, clip of Vance Joseph when asked to describe his feelings about Brock Osweiler. Um, The the things he said, really quick, I just want to play this for you. Um, You know, playing against Brock, I mean, Brock was a, you know, a good young quarterback. Obviously, you know he's he's got a big arm. He's he's very tall. Um, Mike's had him here. John's had him here. So as a person, those guys has vouched for Brock. You know, uh, being with Adam Gase last year for you know for a season, he loves Brock Osweiler. You know, so those guys have all vouched for him. Obviously, having a veteran backup is uh, is critical for us. You know, going into the season. 
You know, so Brock was obviously a great fit because he's been here. He's had, he's had success with these players in the locker room. And um, um, he won a playoff game last year, so it's a great fit for us. Now, Will, what he says here basically is that Adam Gase loved him and that he's tall and has a big arm. So here it comes. <laughs> so once again, all right, you know, it's good to hear that Adam Gase, of course, Vance Joseph and Adam Gase played to get, or, you know, coached together last year in Miami. And Gase, of course, coached Brock Osweiler for two seasons. Well, three, really, because he was the quarterback's coach in Osweiler's rookie campaign of 2012. But 13 and 14, he was the offensive coordinator. So he does have an intimate knowledge of Brock Osweiler, the quarterback. So it is interesting to hear that Adam Gase thinks positively of the Brock Lobster. But then we hear Vance Joseph fall back on the same platitudes and one-liners that he uses to describe Paxton Lynch, which is tall, big arm, which to me, Will, is the height of irony. Yeah, uh, I don't know if either of those things are necessarily a compliment. Uh, you could probably say the same two things about Pax and Lynch at this point, except Pax and Lynch is a lot more mobile. At this point, but, it almost it almost seems like Will more of a I don't know more of a disparaging comment to have the same things if you're Brock Osweiler said about you by your head coach that was said of the first round pick who failed to win the job. And these are these are things that you could apply to Paxton Lynch, uh, Dan McGuire, Ryan Mallett. Not at this point. I mean, the story of Paxton Lynch isn't fully written yet, but um, not a great group of quarterbacks to necessarily be compared to. You know, you want someone to say like, "Oh, well, he he recognizes coverage well, or he makes right. quick decisions, or he's he's great in the quarterback room, or he breaks down film well." Not just he was born really tall. <laughs> and he could throw a, a football a long way. Yep. So who knows? Well, we'll uh, we'll have more developments on this story as the weeks move on. It will be interesting, Will, I think, to see if the Broncos make Brock Osweiler available to the media once he passes his physical. But uh, before we get to the roster analysis, there's a few more things I want to touch on. Really, the surprise roster cuts. I should qualify because we saw these coming but they are interesting moves that deserve some analysis. And we'll start with Ty Sambrilo, Denver's 2015 second rounder, of course, traded to Atlanta for a fifth round pick next year. Denver basically unloads a player who had died on the vine while he was a Bronco. They were going to cut him anyway. So kudos to Elway for getting something out of the failed experiment that was Ty Sambrilo. Then you got Michael Schofield, a 2014 third rounder, also waived. Chargers ended up claiming him off waivers, and they could really use some help on the interior of their offensive line with Forrest Lamp done for the season. So happy trails to the Sko Dog. Best of wishes. Juwan Thompson, Stephen Ridley, of course, we knew they were highly likely to see the door. They were early cuts, which the Broncos cut them, uh, in fact, Friday to give them a, a little bit better shot to land elsewhere. No shocker there. Khalif Raymond, waived, has already signed uh, with the Jets, and I was really surprised by this next one here, Will, actually, to see Tyreek Jarrett get waived. He has resigned to the practice squad, so good for the depth if the injury bug strikes this year on the defensive line. Kyle Pecco, unsurprisingly, waived after really not being able to participate at all during training camp or the preseason, but also already signed to the practice squad. And then many of us had Vontarius Dora making this team. He did not. He was not productive enough rushing the passer in August, unfortunately, and the Broncos really gave him an opportunity to show his stuff. They gave him a really long look and plenty of snaps in the preseason, so it's unfortunate he couldn't get it done. And then lastly, Chris Lewis-Harris, who honestly, by the time the preseason, four preseason games were in the books, I thought Chris Lewis-Harris had beaten out Lorenzo Doss, but not so. He was released as well. So that kind of sums up the, the main takeaway roster cuts. Will, did any of these surprise you in particular? I mean, I, I think definitely given the injuries that the Broncos have had at the outside linebacker position, I think uh, cutting Dora was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think, though, if you looked at the way he played in August, and like you said, he, he, he wasn't very productive rushing the passer, and he kind of got exposed sort of in, in run coverage, and he couldn't contain Brett Hundley very well in that Green Bay game. So uh, the jersey number switched from 68 to 59, notwithstanding – I don't think uh, Vontarius Dora got a lot better than he was last year. 
and obviously we were all uh, pretty excited after that first Bears preseason game in, in 2016 where he got a couple of sacks, but that was kind of it for him. And, uh, you know, with Shaq Barrett looking like he's healthy now, uh, even with Shane Ray out and then Kasim Edibali from the Saints uh, yeah. last year, produced pretty well in the preseason, I think, um, in uh, in lieu of Shane Ray opposite Von Miller, I think got the job done pretty well. So I think they're, I think they're confident with their depth. So I'd say kind of surprised about Dora. The wide receiver thing kind of uh, got me a little bit. I wasn't expecting them to keep Cody Latimer, but I think the Carlos Henderson injury shook things up. Yeah, because I don't. Uh, maybe Brock Olivo prefers a taller kick returner, and so they said we'll give it to Cody Latimer. And then Isaiah McKenzie's already locked down the punt returner job, obviously. So the uh, Khalif Raymond kind of found himself without a job. Glad that he found a place uh, in the NFL, even though it is with the Jets. Was it the practice um, squad, though, with the Jets or the active roster? I, I don't recall. You know, I don't know. But uh, I think either way, he'll see the field this year just because uh, their wide receiver core is kind of a tire fire. <laughs> so I think, I, think he'll get, I think he'll get some snaps either way. Um, but yeah, glad that he got an opportunity, but a little surprised that the Broncos didn't keep him. You know, it's weird to think that the Atlanta Falcons were willing to give up any trade capital, uh, draft capital in particular, yeah. to acquire Tyson Brylow after Vic Beasley just dominated him in their head-to-head matchup last year. I just can't fathom that particular move. Not necessarily, you know, if they like him as a player and just felt like he had a bad game, that's one thing. But why would they give up a fifth-round pick when they knew, I mean, most most right. of these GMs had to have known the Broncos were going to cut him anyway. But I guess that was just to ensure that they got him because he would have gone through the waiver wire. And as a former second round pick, I'm sure there would have been some teams probably higher up, you know, a lot higher up on the on the waiver wire than the Atlanta Falcons who might have taken a chance on him. Obviously, because Kyle Shanahan isn't there anymore. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian uh, didn't really do his homework, or Thomas Dimitrov, uh, the general manager in Atlanta, or whoever. But you have to think that John Elway is in the early running for ex- football executive of the year uh, for getting a fifth rounder for Ty <laughs> Sambrilo because we're talking about a guy who in practice was not touching Von Miller uh, yep. for a few days in training camp. And granted, he, he looked decent uh, at times in the preseason and kind of since 2016, him and Donald Stevenson have been in this contest of just who can – who can be absolutely more useless at the tackle position. And they've kind of been jockeying back and forth for a long time. But to get a pay cut out of Stevenson, who I don't necessarily think is the better player, but he's on the roster because he was willing to take less money. And then a fifth rounder. And historically, John Elway's gotten some good fifth rounders. Like Danny Trevathan, uh, this year Isaiah McKenzie, and then Jake Butt. So that's not nothing. I think you can definitely get an upgrade over Ty Sam. Brylow uh, in the fifth round at any position really, but that's some that's some good general managing. I don't think uh, I would have expected Ty Sam Brylow to get like a 2020, you know, seventh round compensational <laughs> pick, <laughs> let around a, 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 a fifth rounder in 2018. So that's a good job by by Elway. John Elway, the silver tongue devil that he is, the front office closer, got it done. So you got to tip your hat to him. We still have a lot to get to in terms of reacting to the final roster, but first, we want to once again say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. Now, MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate uh, predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. That's the key element here. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports and get to compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, totally free, and most importantly, 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie.net goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site 
that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. No cost. MyBookie is not a gambling or a play-for-money site. Make that clear. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without having to risk any money. Just like office pick'em contests, just like fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams by increasing the stakes. It is fun, and for no cost, you get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users, and we say thank you to MyBookie.net for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. Okay, at the time we are recording this episode, the Broncos have 51 players on the roster. Shane Ray was placed on short-term IR will return uh, mid-season. Well, not quite mid-season, not that long. I think Elway said after week six, I believe. But uh, one of those two remaining spots, of course, will be filled by Brock Osweiler. The other could very well be a veteran nose tackle, from what I'm hearing. Could very well be uh, Atiba Rubin, former Seattle Seahawk. We'll see. The Broncos are literally the last game of week one. So they're the second game on the Monday Night Football doubleheader on opening weekend. So they've got time to let the dust settle and evaluate their next move. Now, we've already touched on the quarterback situation, but for uh, formality's sake, your three signal callers will be Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. Nothing to write home about here. One item of note was that Chad Kelly uh, was placed on the non-football injury reserve list. Technically, he could return later this year, but it's not going to happen. The big difference between the PUP and the NFI list is that teams don't have to pay full base salaries to the NFI guys uh, because their injuries that either happened away from the football field or happened in college, of which the pro team is not liable for. Now, most teams, what they do with NFI guys is they negotiate a settled salary number down. Kelly is still likely to earn something, in other words, while he's rehabbing from his injuries, but do not expect to see him in 2017. Now, as for the running backs, the Broncos kept C.J. Anderson, Jamal Charles, Devontae Booker, D'Angelo Henderson, and, of course, fullback Andy Janovich. Now, I know I'm in the, the minority here. I still have a hard time, though, with Andy Janovich. I just... I don't see the need to keep him. And I get a lot of hate for it, and that's fine. But I just I don't see it. When you when you could bring back a Tyreek Jarrett who could rotate in on the D-line and make a real impact that nobody else could on game day. And the argument is, you know, for Janovich is what he does for the running game. And I get that. But I don't see how a Virgil Green or a Jeff Hireman couldn't do the same job for one less roster spot. And I know Mike McCoy loves Janovich. The Chargers were targeting him in the draft uh, the year the Broncos took him. So, you know, Brock Olivo likes him too. He's a core special teams player, and I get that. But I just feel like as far as value for that one roster spot, the Broncos could do better. Overall, though, Will, your thoughts on the running back group that made this final roster? You know, Chad, uh, you're not really ingratiating yourself with any of the football guys listening to this podcast uh, saying you don't want a fullback on the roster. But uh, I think you have to keep him. Uh, We saw the difference that it made in the running game uh, when he got hurt um, versus when it was basically, you know, Devontae Booker in the single back formation. Uh, down the stretch in 2016 and I don't think any of us want to go back to that but he, he's a good blocker uh, he's a good receiver he can run the football he, he's pretty tough to take down I think he just adds a lot of physicality to the offense and I know that's not something that's really quantifiable but I think it it does something uh, in, in the know that on a third and one especially somewhere where the Broncos have had a lot of trouble you could always give it to the fullback and not just you know Uh, a telegraphed handoff to the running back that gets summarily stuffed like we saw so many times last season 
uh, and definitely going into this preseason, preseason, which is still a concern. But I think even just across the NFL, uh, the fullback position is you know not all the way back because I know I don't think every team carries one at this point. But uh, I know the Giants got a fullback for the first time since I think maybe since they won the Super Bowl back in 2011. But uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who was in Baltimore last season, made a lot of money in free agency. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's a fan of the running backs. He had Patrick yep. DeMarco, who's a really good one in Atlanta. So I think there's definitely a case to be made um, for the fullback over, say, like the H-back or the blocking tight end because it, it really is – it's a different position uh, than than tight end. And I don't know if I trust Jeff Hireman uh, – who struggles sometimes to play the tight end position to get in there and, and, and play two positions effectively. And, you know, maybe Virgil Green can do that, but I think it's best to keep him uh, as the tight end one where he's, he's going to have his biggest impact, both as a blocker and a receiver. So I obviously love Andy Janovich. I'm very partial to him. Uh, I loved watching his highlights back in Nebraska. Uh, I think everybody kind of fell in love with him after that that first touchdown run against the Panthers. Yeah, and and he's just he's he's a one of a kind guy, and, and I think you just have to have him on the roster, and I I think it's going to pay off in the long term. You'll see that in the run game. It's, he's a great story, and it's not that I don't appreciate him as a player. I mean, he does as a fullback. He is a unique player in terms of the different things he brings to the table, not just as a blocker. But as you say, talking about his ability with the ball in his hands, whether he's taking a handoff or, you know, catching the the ball out of the backfield. But again, for me, and I don't want to beat this, you know, flog a dead horse here. But for me, it's just one of those things where it's like if this was a West Coast system and the Broncos were running the ball in the I formation on first and second down 90 percent of the time, then it would make a lot more sense for me to have a guy like Andy Janovich on the team. But I still, I think it's one of those things where it remains to be seen really just how much the Broncos are going to end up using him on offense. And that's where it comes back to me as could that roster spot uh, be used in a more effective and efficient way by the team with another uh, position, whether it's an extra D lineman, an extra, you know, offensive lineman, corner, whatever. But we'll see how it shakes out. I hope he ends up having a great season. I hope he ends up busting open some great big holes for C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles and making a few good catches. I hope that's how it shakes out. I just have my misgivings. Now, the wide receiver group took a hit, losing Carlos Henderson, as we touched on briefly earlier. He was placed on season-ending injured reserve, which was actually a little bit of a surprise considering that when he suffered that torn ligament in his thumb, the Broncos made it sound like it was a very short-term thing, day-to-day, then week-to-week, and now all of a sudden he's on season-ending injured reserve. And it is a you know a hit in terms of the high expectations that most of us had for Henderson coming out of the draft, just kind of crashing and burning. He's a dynamic talent. He really does have phenomenal talent, but it is a concern that he struggled to acclimate to the mental side of pro-life and especially the playbook and suffered from some concentrational issues and some drops, and then he tore that ligament. So, unfortunately, see you next year, Carlos. But your wideouts this year for the Denver Broncos are Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Benny Fowler, Jordan Taylor, Isaiah McKenzie, and Cody Latimer. So, as uh, touched on earlier, Latimer is going to be the number one kick returner while Isaiah McKenzie handles the punts. But anything jump out to you here as far as the wideout lineup? Uh, I mean, it's just it's too bad, obviously, about Carlos Henderson. Um, but given a year, I think we'll probably catch up. And we've seen wide receivers uh, pick it up pretty significantly from year one to year two, especially when they're dealing with injuries. Obviously, you could just look at Demarius Th- uh, Thomas, who's been Denver's number one since uh, really 2013 and, and been probably the most consistent and productive wide receiver in Broncos history since then, with all respect to Rod Smith. But I kind of worry that, and this might get brought up, that the Broncos got the wrong Louisiana Tech wide receiver because Trent Taylor looks really good in San Francisco, at least uh, from what we've seen in the preseason. And he looks like a really good fit in the slot there. So, you know, we're going into this year thinking that, well, they do need that slot wide receiver that they've missed since Wes Welker. Yeah. And Henderson was supposed to be that great 
slot fit, but I think you just have to draft good football players, uh, especially at the position, rather than try to fit a particular need on your football team that may or not may or may not be temporary. So you know, obviously, give that another year. Uh, Fowler, especially now that he's healthy, I think will have a little bit of a bigger impact. Had to keep Jordan Taylor just because he has such good chemistry with uh, Trevor Simeon, and he's had such a good preseason too. Uh, almost, almost came up with that back shoulder from Sloter in the Cardinals game that he that he perfected basically with Trevor Simeon so far. So, I think he's kind of Simeon's security blanket at this point. So it's good to have him on the roster, uh, especially if there's an injury to one of the the first two guys. I think he can step in there and play the play the X or the or the Z position. Fowler, I don't know if he's a great wide receiver. Uh, obviously Latimer has, has not really produced in his career. Maybe we, we always say like this, this is kind of his do or die year. And I think we've been saying that for a couple years now, but at least, at least they have him on special teams and at least he's the starting returner. So he's going to, he's going to make some impact there. And then finally, I'm curious to see how many snaps they give Isaiah McKenzie, because obviously he's going to be returning punts, but he showed that, um, he can at least uh, exploit a broken coverage like he did in that Bears game and he's, he's probably the shiftiest and, and fastest wide receiver that they have at this point so I'm excited to see how they use him and uh, really how much they use him at wide receiver moving on to the tight ends the Broncos kept three the very three we expected them to Virgil Green Jeff Hireman and AJ Derby now Jake Butt was also placed on the NFI list but he is expected to return midseason, so long as the roster math, I think, continues to work in his favor. Now, Will, this is a position I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos bring in some outside talent because I've heard that uh, they're not exactly thrilled so far with their move tight end, A.J. Derby. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of surprising to me. And it looks like, you know, Derby had a pretty good stretch last year. Uh, obviously, hasn't quite been the same. Uh, he was injured in the last two games, but he hasn't quite been the same since he fumbled against Tennessee. Jeff Hireman actually played pretty well in the last three games of the season in uh, relief of AJ Derby. Uh, they used him kind of pretty creatively in that, that last game. He, I think he caught a, a screen pass for a first down um, in the season finale against the Raiders. So I like the way they used him. Obviously, a new offensive coordinator, but like to see them keep some of the same concepts for Jeff Hireman to build his confidence a little bit. Yeah. Virgil Green's Virgil Green. I think we were all kind of expecting, obviously about uh, the Broncos wanting to cut TJ Ward, but he and Virgil Green were kind of those two cap casualty candidates, but it's good to see him stay on the roster because he's obviously so good at blocking. Uh, and if nothing else, he's a reliable receiving tight end. Ultimately, you know, I think it's all just kind of a, I think they're all kind of placeholders until Jake Butt gets back. Yep. Hopefully he's fully recovered. It's been um, not a whole year because he got hurt, I think, on, uh, what was it, like the 1st of January or or maybe like the day before New Year's Eve uh, of 2018. So yep. he's had some time, obviously tore his ACL, tore uh, his ACL twice. So he's kind of got a long road back but hopefully we'll see him in week seven and i think once he gets on the field and if he's healthy enough there will there won't be any more questions about who the starting tight end is yeah virgil green actually said that he is a more athletic player than antonio gates who's a future hall of famer and hunter henry in san diego which i thought was interesting virgil green was a guy that the broncos did take a look at trying to move didn't get the the amount of takers as far as the value that they were looking for. And so he remains their most reliable all-purpose tight end, can do a little bit of everything. Now, moving to the offensive line, the Broncos are keeping nine offensive uh, linemen for now. They are as follows. Your tackles are Garrett Bowles, Menelik Watson. Those are your starting bookends. And then Donald Stevenson as the swing tackle. Your guards, Ronald Leary is your starter at right guard. The current depth chart has Max Garcia and Alan Barber sharing uh, first-string duties. And then lastly, the Broncos chose to keep there at guard Billy Turner. Centers, Matt Paradis, Connor McGovern. So it still rankles me a little bit that the Broncos aren't giving McGovern the opportunity to start at left guard, but he could very well see the field at some point this year uh, if Paradis struggles at all getting his football legs underneath him. I mean, coming off a double hip surgery, 
you just don't know quite what to expect with Paradis. So I think he'll be fine. You know, he's proven that he's an Iron Man, but Denver, you know, you can't count on it. So it's good to have Connor McGovern at least waiting in the wings. But, Will, if anyone is in danger in this group and could fall prey to the vagaries of future roster math, I think it's Billy Turner. But he did play well during the preseason. Here's actually what Elway said about the group on Saturday night. Well, and we, you know, and we think that those guards, they had the ability to play tackle too, so we can move them out. So that's, you know, we really looked at the flexibility of, you know, uh, Turner as well as Barber having, you know, the ability to play tackle. And so, um, you know, we feel like we've really got nine guys that can play a lot of different spots. So the Broncos are fortunate to, I think, have some versatility here on the O-line, and that's a great point Elway makes, one of the defining factors of who they chose to keep at the guard positions. I do still think, though, Will, that this is going to be the offensive line, Denver's biggest area of improvement in 2017. I think by midseason people are going to be talking about this being the the area in which they turn the ship around. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. It's not going to be worse than last year or the year before, really. Um, I think probably that there will be some growing pains along the way with Garrett Bowles, uh, but that's kind of to be expected. And I think if, if you can make it through those um, in one piece, and I think you will, he's going to come. Uh, he's going to come out of the other side uh, as a really good starting left tackle. And I think they have to have that just because they invested a first round pick in him, uh, and it was the most glaring need at the time. So uh, hopefully, if they can. Uh, wade through some some troubled waters maybe in the first few games with Garrett Bowles they'll be all right on the left side of the line um, especially if Barber is starting at, at left guard which I think he will Paradis obviously the hips are a concern but it's good to have Connor McGovern um, over at that position and, and then the the real question mark obviously because Ronald Leary I think is uh, pretty stalwart over at, at right guard and I think he's he's going to be here to stay but Menelik Watson still kind of I don't know what the word is uh just kind of troubling or foreboding or what but he hasn't looked great in uh in the preseason aside from proposing to his fiance that was probably his, his <laughs> yeah. best move of the preseason and he's kind of because I I myself wasn't super excited about him coming out of Oakland just because he was pretty often injured and then um when he was on the field wasn't necessarily a dominant right tackle but uh, he's got to shore up his pass blocking. Um, you know, maybe they help him out with with guys like Virgil Green over on the right side, on the strong side over at tight end. But that's that's kind of a question mark. And obviously, he's an upgrade from Donald Stevenson or Ty Sambrilo or whoever at right tackle. But he's still got a few question marks. But uh, it's good to have versatility on the line, and I think we saw that definitely in 2014 when they could move guys like. Uh, Luis Vasquez over to right tackle to kind of help out in a pinch but obviously chemistry is big so you don't want to make too many uh, adjustments but injuries happen and you you want to have guys you can play multiple positions so it's good to have McGovern Um, it's good to have Stevenson uh, even though I've not been very complimentary about him and he hasn't really deserved very much praise especially after that Arizona game but he can at least play uh, as a swing tackle but you know you have to shuffle guys in the NFL and that's the reality and I think um, hopefully there's not too much of it but it's good to have it as a fail safe. I think the biggest thing what you're seeing with the left guards sharing the starting job is the Broncos just not quite being ready to say our fourth round pick from a couple years ago is losing the starting job to a veteran we brought in at the 11th hour on the eve of training camp. Either that or they're still trying to give him more reps because they want to shop him. I can't figure it out because I just think he is a complete liability. And I know that Alan Barber hasn't been necessarily the epitome of what you want to see as a consistent guard, but he's been better, frankly, than than Garcia. So I, for one, am hopeful we see more of Alan Barber at left guard, especially as a veteran playing next to a rookie left tackle. So, And then, you know, I agree with you. The thing with Menelik Watson is he is a mauler in the run game. I mean, that touchdown that C.J. Anderson broke off in the third yeah. preseason game, I mean, that was a perfect ceiling block by Watson on the right edge there. So I think... That's the upside for him, but we do have to see better consistency as a pass blocker. Now, moving on to defensive line. Here's your lineup, people. Defensive ends, Derek Wolf, Jared Crick, 
Adam Gotsis, and yes, Shelby Harris, after a phenomenal, phenomenal preseason, earned a roster spot. So happy for him. And then your nose tackles are Demata Pecco and Zach Kerr, who also, of course, plays defensive end. In fact, on the depth chart right now, Zach Kerr is taking up a backup defensive end spot and a, the backup nose tackle. And this is a group, I think, that is in could be in flux. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos used that last roster spot on a veteran nose tackle. But if this unit can stay healthy, if they can get and stay healthy, I should say, they look really good on paper, I think, Will. Yeah, and I think this is probably, if you're going to grade this position, I think you'd have to say it's incomplete because I think they're going to probably go out and add someone uh, for interior depth behind Pecco. And then obviously uh, Kerr is, I guess he's healthy now. We haven't really heard too much. No, but they're, they're, they, they wouldn't say give a specific uh, time frame on him returning but I from what I've been hearing he's still probably expected out at least the first game right so yeah that kind of um, makes it all more pressing to go and, and, and pick up a nose tackle so then maybe that is a Ty Rubin from the, the Seahawks but we'll keep checking in on that really good to see Shelby Harris make the roster and I don't think it was really in, in doubt just because he was a monster in the last two games uh, really, the last three games, I guess, um, from San Francisco to to Arizona, he was even producing. But that would be really awesome, just because the Raiders had him, and maybe who knows? Maybe they didn't use him at the right position, or who knows? Maybe he just didn't fit in in Oakland. But it would be good to to take someone off of the scrap heap from the Raiders and then turn him into a really productive player. Uh, pull off the reverse Willie Brown there. Absolutely. Anything they can do to uh, put the screws to the Oakland Raiders a little bit, I'm all for. Great story for Shelby Harris. I just I hope he can continue to make an impact as he is rotated in, and I think we're going to see him quite a bit in the first couple of weeks. So hats off to Shelby Harris. Now, we'll move through these a little bit quicker because we're running out of time. But the Broncos, after placing Shane Ray on injured reserve, they ended up, of course, keeping Von Miller. Shocker. Uh, Shaq Barrett, Demarcus Walker, Kasim Adebali. Now, Adebali, great effort guy. You know, he's going to get some sacks and some pressures because of that motor, but not consistently like a guy, Von Miller or Shaq Barrett or Shane Ray. Demarcus Walker did not tally a single sack in August, and he saw a lot of reps with the exception of one game. So hopefully, Will, Shaq Barrett is recovered enough to make an early impact because I do worry now about the depth behind him. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see Shaq Barrett get some more snaps um, until Shane Ray gets back. And we're hoping that they can just hold down the fort in Shane Ray's absence. Um, and then I, I want to see Walker play in a in a position that's more suitable to him. So maybe that's as um, kind of a five technique or just a, really just as a three, four defensive end. But uh, he was really all over the field against Arizona. So I think he's picking it up and it's hard. It's hard to you know, learn how to get pressures and and beat tackles from a two point stance uh, as opposed to right. um, with your hand in the in the dirt. So I think Walker, given enough time, will learn uh, the position a little bit better. But I think ultimately, and I hope that they that they put his hand in the ground once Shane Ray gets back. Yeah, and he did make. I think he led the team in tackles or co-led the team in tackles in that final game. So there is a sign, uh, you know, for optimism from Demarcus Walker, Denver's second-round pick. Now moving on, the Broncos kept the same four inside linebackers that they had in 2016: Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, Corey Nelson, and Zaire Anderson. Now, from some of the buzz I was hearing, I was a little bit surprised they ended up keeping Anderson because he did not have a good camp nor a good preseason, and many people believe that he's actually a different player following that scary concussion and that neck injury he sustained late last year that made him question whether or not he wanted to even continue playing football. Yeah, uh, don't really blame him for that, um, but I think we have to afford guys who get head injuries the same benefit of the doubt to someone that probably like you know tore their ACL or broke their leg or something like that just because it, it's something that can linger for a really long time and you see that with guys like Sharif Floyd Minnesota but uh, hopefully given enough time he'll be at least somewhere near where he was last year because he was he was a pretty uh, competitive player near the end of last year and uh, I want to see him return to that same form but overall not really concerned I think a lot of a good depth at inside linebacker and I think that's 
maybe not a position of strength, but um, not one that you really have to worry about either. That's a fair point about Anderson. You know, give him some time to uh, continue to play some football and get his get his groove back. Moving on to cornerbacks, Broncos' depth chart is still top-heavy. My concern here is if an injury befalls someone in the top three, I do shudder to think how the Broncos will handle it now that Kayvon Webster is gone. You have a keep to leave, Chris Harris, Bradley Roby, and then Brandon Langley, and Lorenzo rolling in a Benzo Doss. I was surprised Doss found a way to make this roster yet again. Will, got to hand it to him. Uh, the Broncos are trying to stay true to their fifth-round pick from 2015, but again, I do worry a little bit about the depth. If, if an injury strikes uh, anyone in that top three, I'm not sure Brennan Langley or even Doss at this point is a guy you want to count on on game day. Still a strength for me, obviously. Um, the top three are the best top three in the NFL, I think, without a doubt. Um, sorry, Jacksonville, not quite there yet. And then we talked about Demarcus Walker uh, co-leading the team in tackles, but I think, I don't know if Brendan Langley shared that um, title with him, but he was playing really well against Arizona. I, th- I, know, I know Nick Kendall talked about it a lot, but he was he was laying the wood, and it's good to have a, a physical fourth cornerback because Kayvon Webster was kind of that too. And, yep. you know, they, they invested a third-round pick in him, and, you know, you, if you can uh, spend a, a day two, if you're comfortable spending a day two pick on a cornerback, you have to be also comfortable with him uh, sliding into the to the three slot in case of an injury. So, right. you know, they they ponied up the third rounder for him, and you know, hopefully, it's still to leave Harris and, and Roby throughout the season. But if, if one of them goes down, you have to be comfortable putting in Langley and Doss. I think struggled at times, but I think he's he's still a pretty good fifth option, and uh, he performed well at times last year. Still comfortable with him as a fifth cornerback, though. Definitely a strength of the of the team. I mean, they have the rare three cornerback. I mean, it's like a three headed monster, the best in the business. Um, hopefully, Langley. I mean, he he has shown great physicality to come up and run support. I just worry about him and, and getting exposed in coverage. But we'll see how it shakes out. Hopefully, it's nothing much to worry about. Now, moving on to the safeties, we've already talked quite a bit about them today, so we'll keep this one relatively brief with a quick clip from Vance Joseph. You got Darian Stewart, Justin Simmons, Will Parks, and undrafted rookie Jamal Carter. Carter, in fact, keeps Denver's undrafted rookie tradition alive. 13 of the last 14 years, the Broncos have had an undrafted rookie make the active roster out of training camp. So hats off to him. Now, here's what Coach Joseph had to say about Denver's youth movement at safety now that T.J. Ward is gone, as well as kind of the expectations for Justin Simmons and Darian Stewart. Well, Justin uh, had a hell of a spring, you know, and obviously with T.J. not working, you know, the entire training camp, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, you know, Justin and Parks got a chance to play a lot, you know, and obviously opportunity, you know, leads to uh, to promotion, you know, so both of those guys play very well. You know, Parks, uh, I mean, he was our starting dime backer, you know, for the entire preseason. So watching those young guys play, um, you know, they're both impressive young players. Justin's done a great job in the box also, and that was surprising to me. Watching Justin last year, he was, he was more of a middle field, half field player, but watching him play in the box and and how physical he played versus the run game, that was impressive. So to have Justin do that along with, uh, with Darian's uh, you know, experience in the box and playing high, you know, it's interchangeable. Now, Will, we talked about the Broncos probably not missing a ton from a production on the field standpoint. But again, the, the big concern with losing a guy like T.J. Ward is in the leadership and just kind of the overall attitude department. Right, and, and T.J. Ward definitely had that in spades, and I think he developed into uh, one of Denver's leaders, um, especially without um, Demarcus Ware on the field for uh, long portions of last year. But you know what? And I know Brandon Marshall is pretty outspoken about it, and I know the defense loves him, but you you just have to get over it at some point. And I think they'll probably warm up to Justin Simmons uh, becoming the fifth member of the no-fly zone. And I think he's he's plenty capable as a as a starting strong safety. And I know we talked about it earlier, but he's got more range and coverage. He showed it against Green Bay. Uh, he he's a he can blitz too. He had a sack of Philip Rivers last year. Obviously, that that special teams play uh, blocking the extra point against New Orleans. So 
pretty much whatever they've asked him to do, he's he's done it well. And so I, I think he's he's more than earned the starting strong safety position. As for attitude, I think he's got enough of it. Hopefully someone can emerge as, as another vocal leader in, in place of TJ Ward, but you know, those are things that are kind of hard to predict. I think the Broncos, though, are going to be fine at the safety position. Let's just, as with every position group, let's just hope they can stay healthy. Now, to wrap this up, the Broncos kept the same three specialists this time around, Brandon McManus, Riley Dixon, and Casey Kreider. So before we get out of here, let's take a question from the Mile High Mailbag. We have time for one today. We are your football priests, here to offer absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions We always enjoy engaging with you, our listeners. And today's question comes from Andrew Carter, at Andrew W. Carter 90 on Twitter. His question was, saw the Broncos weren't awarded anybody off waivers. Can you explain the rule concept or also any thoughts on PECO? If they made any claims, the Broncos, yes, they were not awarded anybody. But here's how it works. Anybody who's played uh, fantasy football, it's basically the same system by and large in most leagues, which is the worst teams in the league get the first opportunity on the waiver wire, and it goes in descending order to the best teams are last uh, at the table. So this time around, the last two teams that are going to get a shot to make a claim on a player if they pass all the way through the waiver wire would be the Atlanta Falcons and then the New England Patriots. During the season, that uh, the waiver wire actually changes week to week based on power rankings, based on wins and losses. But yeah, right now, basically what happened is the Broncos are kind of middle of the pack in terms of the waiver wire. So if they did have anybody, Will, that they had their heart set on, they made a claim. If there was someone in front of them, which, you know, you've, you know, off the top of my head, something like probably 14, 15, 16 teams, something like that on the wire, I guess maybe 19 since they picked 20 in the draft. But uh, those teams would get first dibs on the claim. They'd have to pass through all the way to the Broncos in order for them to be awarded that particular player. Yeah, it, it basically works like the draft. I think that's kind of why we saw the Jets uh, pick up a few guys, both because they're they're limited just in their overall roster, and uh, they didn't have a great season last year, so they're uh, they had a pretty high priority claim on the waiver wire. You know, I don't I don't think they were really. It's hard to say they weren't targeting anybody. Maybe they just weren't expecting anybody that uh, was worth adding to their roster, right? Um, to make it that far, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think they were they were so uh, or they're they're struggling to keep guys on their own roster on their own ninety man roster, and they were so probably so preoccupied trying to to make as much room for those guys because they were really deep on defense uh, that I think they were they're too caught up in that really to even worry about other teams' leftovers. Right. And we addressed Kyle Pecco, I assume is who you're talking about. Broncos did keep him on the practice squad. And he's going to be a guy like Tyreek Jarrett that they're going to keep in uh, waiting in the wings in case injury strikes the defensive line. But before we get out of here, we also want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. With your trial, there's over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, kindle or mp3 player so you get a free book you get 30 days to enjoy it if you don't like it you cancel your membership and you do not get charged so check it out it's a great way to support the show it's an app that i use on literally a daily basis so go to audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up and support the show and give it a whirl i promise you you'll like it that's all the time we have for today though ladies and gentlemen you can find Will in the Twitterverse, at WillKey6, myself at Chad N. Jensen. Tweet us your questions, and we'll always try to address your concerns on this show as often as we can. Look for Nick and Carl's preview of Week 1 versus the Los Angeles Chargers coming this week. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. He's going to need a little football rehab. Mile high huddle.